Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Here we go again. (laughs) My name is Jennifer Hadley, and our topic is A Course in Miracles. The Course, of course. (laughs) I thank you for joining with me, and today we are talking about our eternal nature, that we are eternal. So let's look at that and look at it together with the Holy Spirit. So let's begin with a blessing and a prayer. We are grateful and thankful. We place our hands on our heart and we wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We are grateful to open ourselves to unlimited, unprecedented love. We are grateful that this is our very essence and nature, unlimited, unprecedented love. So we are willing. We are willing to let go of the blocks to love. We are willing to let go of attachments, cravings, aversions, addictive, compulsive tendencies and temptations, anything that could stand in the way of the fullness of God's infinite love, awaken aware in our mind. So grateful, so thankful to let it be, so grateful to allow ourselves to fully know the truth, to live the truth. We are opening ourselves to a revelation of truth right here, right now. We are grateful to let the healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So we are eternal. That is the topic in this moment. And focusing on our eternal nature has been extremely helpful to me in my spiritual growth and development. In chapter 1, section 5, paragraph 5, it says, What is true is eternal. And cannot change or be changed. Whatever is true is eternal and cannot change or be changed. So some of the common things that you hear as a spiritual student are that uh, if we're eternal, then we can't be bound by time and space by the illusion of time and space. Time and space are to assist us, it's a false construct, to assist us in this karmic journey that we are on. And so, but we are eternal. And I've done um, something on this before, and I do a class on this topic in January. Now, I have found that focusing on this statement, whatever is true is eternal and cannot change or be changed, helped me to recognize 
my eternal nature. Uh, another thing that helped me is I used to say, and the truth in the eternality, they, in a certain way, being aware of the truth, the eternal truth, and being aware of our eternal nature, they go hand in hand in our awakening awareness journey. So one of the things I did back when I was a student in classes at Agape, I would say to myself, truth is true for everyone. We do not have individual versions of the truth. We have individual beliefs, and beliefs and truth are not the same. Uh, I've been pointing this out for a long time because it's so helpful to me in clarifying and being able to focus on what is real, what is true, what is eternal. So what is true for everyone, that's true. If it's only true for some, it's not truth. It's something else. And so I know I've said it so many times, but just it bears repeating that beliefs are not true. Truth is true. If it were true, if it were truth, we would call it truth. We wouldn't call it belief. So one of the things that's been so, so helpful to me over the years is when I hear myself say, I believe, I pause. I pause. Sometimes I pause before I say it to clarify, is what I'm about to say a belief or is it true? Is it something I know or is it something I believe? Because people are always asking me, what do you think about this? What's true about this? That's my life as a spiritual counselor, as a minister, as a teacher of truth principles and the practical application of truth principles. Uh, people are asking me these questions all the time. So sometimes I say, well, what I believe is, and I am using that word believe because I don't know for sure. Now, for many years, I studied spiritual principles, truth teachings, science of mind, and other kinds of truth teachings. And I thought I knew them to be true. But then I started to realize I'm not living as though I know that to be true. If I knew that being unkind to someone would hurt me, I wouldn't do it. If I really knew that was the truth, I wouldn't do it unless I hated myself or disliked myself. So then I'd look at, so do you dislike yourself or do you not know that you're one with that person? Which is it? Do you believe you're one with that person, but you don't know it? And because it's only a belief, you give yourself permission to be unkind? These were the kinds of questions I was constantly asking myself. 
And I was in a, a rigorous self-evaluation, self well, not evaluation, examination. I was in a rigorous self-examination and an examination of my thoughts. I realized what it says in the fear and conflict section in chapter two is absolutely true. There are no idle thoughts, I-D-L-E. There are no idle thoughts. And so every thought produces form at some level, also from fear and conflict in chapter two. So putting those two together, all thought produces form at some level, and there are no idle thoughts. I, I mean, those became like two poles that I could rest on and stand tall on. And so if there are no idle thoughts and all thought produces form at some level and the levels being physical, which includes circumstances, situations, relationships, stuff like that, emotional, mental, and then etheric, the etheric level, which is the level of belief and thought. So all thought produces form at some level. And obviously thoughts produce more thoughts. If I believe I'm unlovable, then I'm going to start having little, uh, that thought is going to be uh, the father of many thoughts, right? The mother of many thoughts, like, well, if I'm unlovable, then I'll never have a great relationship, which means I'll never be happy, which means I won't be healthy, which means I, I'll be miserable, you know, it's like that, right? So it's like spiders that give uh, birth or give, um, lay a thousand eggs, right? The one thought uh, I'm unworthy, lays a million eggs, millions of eggs, things like that. So all thought produces form at some level. There are no idle thoughts. Therefore, let me focus on the truth and let me just pff, abandon the beliefs. What do I need them for? And truly, what do we need them for? And that's what I began to see. Oh, beliefs kind of sort of are like weeds, weeds in my mind. Let me weed the garden of these beliefs. So if I heard myself say, I believe this or that, I'd think, oh, do I actually want to put energy into that? And sometimes well, people will say, well, what do you believe? And then I get still. I take a moment. Is there a belief here? And if there is, is it worth repeating? Wouldn't I rather put it on the compost heap, of spirit's compost heap, or put it on the, um, I like the holy altar fire of God's infinite love. That I don't know where I got that from. I may have just made it up. But that's what I started to think of as, let me put this in the fire. Put it in the violet fire. Let it dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so I never experience it again. What do I need these beliefs for? Beliefs come from interpreting things. 
interpretations are judgments and opinions. They are not helpful to me. They are hurtful to me. I am continuously training myself to focus on the truth. And it gets easier and easier because when I'm not focused on the truth, I feel the shift in energy. I feel the discord. I feel it coming forth. And so I'm interested in being aligned with truth, being aligned with wholeness and beauty and perfection. So these things are true. They are true. That beauty is a spiritual quality. Love is a spiritual quality. Wholeness is a spiritual quality. I'm interested in things that line up with eternal truth. Spiritual principle. So, focusing on the truth helped me to become aware, if it's true, it must be true for everyone, and it must be true for everyone in all directions of time and space. And so, focusing on what is true helped move me towards accepting and anchoring into my eternal nature. And uh, in, in uh, the course here, now this is uh, chapter one still, uh, section four, paragraph two, and uh, section four is entitled The Escape from Darkness. Uh, and actually, I'm going to do a little tangential th- tangential thing here. It starts par- paragraph one in the Escape from Darkness section four, in chapter one of the text. The Escape from Darkness involves two count them two stages. First, the recognition that darkness cannot hide. This step usually entails fear. Second, the recognition that there is nothing you want to hide, even if you could. So when we're interested in the truth, when we're interested in our eternal nature, that also brings escape from fear. So then in the next paragraph, he's talking about the eternal. He says... Your mind can be possessed by illusions, but spirit is eternally free. So let's say someone is, I was thinking about John McCain the other day in class and talking about uh, John McCain. We think everything works together for good. doesn't mean everything is good. People's evil intentions are not good but spirit takes whatever we choose in the world of form and uses it for good uses it to help us learn we don't have to learn through pain but we usually choose to do so so i was thinking about how john mccain was a prisoner of war that's a horrible situation everyone would agree that that's not good, but spirit uses it for good because 
I, I don't know about the rest of the folks who were jo- with John McCain in, in uh, prisoner of war camp, but he used it for good. That seemed evident from his life and the little that I know about him and listening to him speak, he seemed to be uh, someone who was wise. We, we, I might not have agreed with him politically on many things, but I think in terms of values and uh, morality and um, heart, uh, he and I probably agreed on many things. I don't really know, but when I did hear him speak, I th- always thought there's a reasonable man, there's a, a loving man, there is someone who has compassion who is kind, who is intelligent, who is forgiving. And, uh, and I'm sure those are some of the things he really honed when he was a prisoner in prisoner of war camp. So not everything is good, but it works together for good. This is something we were talking about in Masterful Living this week. And, um, By the way, I just mentioned Masterful Living. So I'm going to take the moment and say Masterful Living is my year-long course. You'll have classes with me almost every week. They're recorded if you miss them. And we have so many other aspects to the program, so many bonuses. And if you get on the early bird wait list, then you can sign up before the bonuses begin because there are live bonuses with me. live in class with me almost every, basically almost every week, um, the rest of the year. And then Masterful Living begins in January. And it's just a life changing program. We have a lot of fun together. We go very deep together. People make lifelong friends. Uh, they have, they develop a spiritual family and they do tremendous amounts of inner healing and transformation. And uh, my Masterful Living Early Bird wait list is available now. If you go to jenniferhadley.com forward slash Masterful Living, you'll be able to sign up. And then as soon as registration opens, we'll let you know because the bonuses will begin immediately. (laughs) And so, um, yes. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm always excited about Masterful Living. I just, I love it. So, um, I'll also just quickly mention I have a forgiveness workshop this Sunday. This Sunday, uh, what is that date? 30th, October 30th. So check that out. It's free. Free Forgiveness Workshop, October 30th. It's 5 p.m. Eastern, which is 2 p.m. L.A. and 10 p.m. U.K. All the details at jenniferhadley.com, as usual. So focusing on my eternal nature also helps me to recognize the truth. They go hand in hand. So he's saying here in Escape from Darkness, your mind can be possessed by illusions, but spirit is 
eternally free. So reminding myself I am an eternal being really helped me. I know in an earlier episode years ago, I probably shared about how one day I was sitting in meditation, and at the time, I believe, I, I was in ministerial school, and I know I was in ministerial school. I don't believe it. I know it. <laughs> there you go. There's the difference. Uh, I, I was in ministerial school, and when I was in ministerial school, I was working full-time, and ministerial school was demanding, and... So I felt like I was running in front of a train that was carrying 10,000 things for me to do. And with uh, one of my prayer partners who was in ministerial school too, uh, I, we used to talk about it, the 10,000 things that needed to get done. And I would talk about, oh, the train, the train is, is running me over here. It's too much. It's too much. And then one day in meditation, I got, why are you putting so much energy into what you don't want? You don't want to feel burdened by 10,000 things to be done. You're an eternal being. You're not bound by time. Why are you pretending that you are? What is that attraction? Look at it, Jennifer. So I did, and I realized, oh, yeah, there was something about maybe being a martyr. Oh, I'm a martyr. I'm a minister martyr. I have all this to do. It's so difficult and hard, and it's too much. And I realized, too, in that examination that it wasn't loving of me to constantly be on myself, work faster, work harder, do more, and push, 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 always feeling like I'm failing day after day after day. That was what was happening for me, and it was not kind, not self-loving. And so I realized right then and there in that meditation, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to start saying to myself when I feel pressured by the illusion of time I am going to say to myself time is is an illusion you're an eternal infinite being I am an eternal infinite being therefore I'm not bound by time I have all the time I could ever want I have an infinite amount of time So I don't need to worry about time. I can never run out of time. I'm eternal. I'm infinite. And I just kept saying that to myself because I had real issues with time, as many people do. In the world we live in, we can accomplish so, 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 so much. And we want to, right? Because it makes us better people, right? No, no. I have really stopped doing so much. I do a lot. There's no question of that. But I've stopped really thinking that I need to do more, do more. I used to have that as a real bugaboo that I was working with. And, oh my goodness, 
I am <laughs> I am going to um, just tell you real quick if I can here before we take a break. Uh, I've had a number of folks in Masterful Living who have told me that they really struggled with their to-do lists. And I'd ask them, so how do you feel at the end of the day when you look at your to-do list? And essentially, they always felt like a failure, every single one of them. No matter how many things they crossed off their list, there were always things still on the list. That's how they made their list. They never put on the list only the things that they thought they could accomplish. They always added extra things, like extra pressure. It's not self loving. It's not self-kind. But that was the point of it, you see. The point of it was to increase the stress in their life and to increase the sense of failure and guilt and shame. That was the point of it. So I, I've just, I opened up to spirit what to do because I wasn't really a, a to-do list person. Because it, it, it's too stressful. I, I don't like it. So I only make a to-do list. If there are things I think I'm going to forget to do, I then make a to-do list only for those things. And that's what I recommended them. Start with a to-be list. How are you going to be today? You're going to be loving, be kind, be generous, be happy. How are you going to be today? What are you going to put into your beingness today? And then write down the things that you have to do today, you really feel you must do today, that you might otherwise forget. That's, that's the list that I make. The things I would otherwise forget. And then I let the whole thing go. And I, so I don't usually like to have um, a list. I really don't do it. When I'm packing, yes, things like that. Uh, stuff to do like that, because I'll forget if, without my list. Oh my goodness, it is time here for me to go to a break as I'm going to a break. Remember, check out everything at jenniferhadley.com. Masterful Living Early Bird Waitlist is there. And uh, what else? We've got the free forgiveness letter workshop on Sunday and there will be more to come. And yeah, check out all the details at jenniferhadley.com. I'm going to the break. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. You are listening to A Course in Miracles. My name is Jennifer Hadley, and we are talking about our eternal nature. So just before I went to the break, was talking about to-do lists. I call it the tyranny of the to-do list. And so working with people one-on-one as a spiritual counselor and folks in my Masterful Living program that I do one-on-one sessions with... 
I've talked with many over the years who experience this tyranny of the to-do list. End of the day, they review their to-do list and they feel like a failure every day. And to me, that is the point of it. We think the point is to stay organized and this and that. But I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. Suggesting to people that they have a to-be list rather than a to-do list and then to only write down the things on the to-do list, the things that they would otherwise forget to do. They're concerned they might forget to make that bank deposit or they might forget to call about that whatever it is change that appointment, those things that could get swept away in the energy of the day. That's what I have found that that works for me. So that's what I recommend to other people. And within a short period of time, people tell me, oh my God, what a difference this has made in my life. I was really terrorizing myself with that to-do list. And it's just one of the ways that the ego is consistently designed to manipulate, to control, and to manage rather than to be in the creative flow of the universe. So sometimes people need to make a call list. They've got 20 calls. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense. But that's different than a to-do list, really, I think, because a to-do list, everybody I know puts more things on it than they can possibly do, and then they feel guilty and bad because they're not getting it all done. But there's no way they could have got it all done. That's one of the questions I ask them. I ask them, did you think when you made your list the day before or the morning of, did you actually think that you would be capable of getting all that done, that your day would allow you to be able to get all that done? And they always say, no, 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 not, not possible. So then why, why do it to yourself that you would feel like a failure? Unless that is the intention. And so to me, that feeling like a failure, it triggers the unconscious guilt, and also shame. And lots of things, lots of emotional reactions that are diverting, diverting from our spiritual growth and progress. Truly, the, one of the greatest things we can do to help our spiritual growth and development is to be loving with ourselves, to be kind with ourselves. And so setting ourselves up for failure day after day, there's no part of that that's kind. There's no part of that that's loving. It just simply isn't. So the only reason to do it is to make ourselves feel bad. And in that, people succeed. They do, they do. So these are some of the ways to anchor ourselves into our eternal nature by not having a to-do list, having a to-be list instead, and by recognizing that what is true for everyone 
must be true for us. And so if we, for instance, I used to do this when I was at Agape. If I had a disparaging thought about myself, right, a mean thought about myself, I would pause and say, well, if it's true for me, if I'm a fake, if I'm a loser, if I'm this or that, if it's actually true, then it has to be true for Michael Beckwith too. It has to be true for the Dalai Lama. It has to be true for everyone. What is true is true for everyone or it's not true. It's a belief. It's a made-up thing. It's not part of our eternal nature. So I didn't know it at the time when I started doing that, but I was training myself to be aligned with A Course in Miracles, to be aligned with eternal truth. Now let's turn to the Manual for Teachers for a minute and to Chapter 27, which is entitled, What is Death, chapter 27 in the Manual for Teachers, What is Death? And in here, uh, talking about the belief in death and what's true. And he says here, to me, this is very helpful. Without the idea of death, there is no world. All dreams will end with this one, with this world. This is salvation's final goal, the end of all illusions. And in death are all illusions born. What can be born of death and still have life? But what is born of God and can still die? The inconsistencies, the compromises, and the rituals the world fosters in its vain attempts to cling to death and yet to think love real are mindless magic, ineffectual, and meaningless. God is, and in God all created things must be eternal. Do you not see that otherwise God has an opposite? And fear would be as real as love. So let's, let's just look at this. God is, and in God, all created things must be eternal. So here's where we can find value in the distinction that is made in, I think it's the cause and effect section in chapter 2 about what's real and what's made. So when it's born of truth, of spirit, it's created. When it's born of the ego, it's made. So the difference between ego things and God things are ego things are made and God things are created in this teaching. That's the terminology we use. You know, uh, what am I going to say? That's just what we've got to work with here. So God is, and in God, all created things, so all things born of spirit, must be eternal. 
Do you not see that otherwise God has an opposite and fear would be as real as love? So if things the ego makes could be eternal, then there would be something in opposition to God. There would be a second power that could create. But what he's saying here is our creator can only make eternal things or can only bring forth eternal things. Now, continuing on in in the manual for teachers, but actually going earlier, in the chapter number 24, which is about reincarnation, uh, it says here, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. In the ultimate sense, reincarnation is impossible. In the ultimate sense. Why? Because there is no past or future, and the idea of birth into a body has no meaning either once or many times, because it's all part of the illusion. So that's why it's not so. Reincarnation cannot then be true in any real sense. Our only question should be, is the concept helpful? And this is one of the clear things that Jesus talks about in the Course, is everything should be valued according to whether or not it's helpful. So, is reincarnation as a concept helpful? He says, and that depends, of course, on what it's used for. If it's used to strengthen the recognition of the eternal nature of life, it is helpful indeed. Is any other question about it really useful in lighting up the way? Like many other beliefs, it can be bitterly misused. At least such misuse offers preoccupation and perhaps pride in the past. So preoccupation with past lives or with pride in the past. I used to be Cleopatra in a past life, stuff like that. Uh, Please. At worst, it induces inertia in the present. Yeah, I think that's true. I've seen that with some people getting into contemplating reincarnation, and then they're living in the past. So, reincarnation is helpful if it's used to strengthen the recognition of the eternal nature of life. Yes, 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 yes. And then a bit earlier in the text, going backwards here, chapter 15, which is entitled, To Each Is Each One to Be Judged in the End. And here Jesus says, Holy are you, eternal, free, and whole. So holy, H-O-L-Y, and then whole, W-H-O-L-E. Holy are you, eternal free and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? So we are eternal. Just another affirmation that we are eternal. I 
have found that reminding myself on a daily basis that I'm eternal has shifted my consciousness. Sometimes people are bothered because they can't get everything that they'd like to get done, done in a day. They can't clear their desk. Well, I never clear my desk, ever, 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 ever. I always leave far more to be done than I accomplished in the day. In terms of admin, I have a lot of admin to do, running the Power of Love ministry. In terms of just all the other things that I'm doing in a day, but particularly as relates to my work in the ministry, I have never accomplished everything I would like to have been able to accomplish in a day. But it doesn't bother me. It does not bother me. Because I have so much that I would like to accomplish and my goals for the day are much less in the world than in my mind. So my goals for the day are to let go of attachments. My goals for the day are to have clarity and insight and wisdom and freedom. My goals for the day are to remember the truth and to be able to share the truth and recognize the truth and value the truth. These are the kinds of goals that I have during my days. And so... I can accomplish all of those (laughs) while not anywhere near accomplishing the goals of getting the taxes done. And as I say that, I think, oh, I was supposed to send a letter about the taxes today. (laughs) Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. So, (laughs) yeah, so that's, that's it right there. I... I'm much more interested in the awakening mind than I am in the getting things done. So I do as much as I can comfortably. People will say, don't forget to take good care of yourself. That is my number one priority. And my number two priority in most days is also to take care of these wonderful animals that I have become the caregiver for in the last year or so, taking care of my dog Bodhi and my cat Sattva. Bodhi and Sattva, Bodhi and Sattva, all day long thinking about Bodhi and Sattva. And I have to set reminders in, I have an Apple Watch, I have to set reminders to uh, remind me to feed Sattva in the afternoon because otherwise I forget. Uh, because I'm doing other things, I get caught up in them. I, I have to remind myself, hey, go to bed. <laughs> I do. I have to set alarms. Time to go to bed. Start getting ready for bed. Things like that. Because otherwise, I get caught up in the energy of the moment. And I don't mind that. It's not a big deal to set an alarm. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I should start getting ready for bed now. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad I have these tools that help me to do these things. I'm so grateful that I have these tools to help me. 
let's go to the workbook. And in the workbook lesson 45, which is God is the mind with which I think, it says, this is uh, paragraph six here. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. (laughs) I used to say things like that to myself. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. My real life is in God. I would like to find it. The truth is in God. I would like to know it. Make up your own variations. Play with this. So my real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. So this is the practice for Lesson 45. And then it says, Then try to go past all the unreal thoughts that cover the truth in your mind and reach to the eternal. Under all the senseless thoughts and mad ideas with which you have cluttered up your mind are the thoughts that you thought with God in the beginning. They are there in your mind now, completely unchanged. They will always be in your mind, exactly as they always were. Everything you have thought since then will change, but the foundation on which it rests is wholly changeless. So let's let's just look at this again. It's so, to me, so sweetly powerful, gently powerful. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. So just let's say that quietly to ourselves here a few times. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. Then try to go past all the unreal thoughts that cover the truth in your mind and reach to the eternal. Under all the senseless thoughts and mad ideas with which you have cluttered up your mind are the thoughts that you thought with God in the beginning. They are there in your mind now, completely unchanged. They will always be in your mind, exactly as they always were. Everything you've thought since then will change, but the foundation on which it rests is wholly changeless completely changeless. So I used to say to myself, I only think the thoughts I think with God. And I release everything else. I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. I only value the thoughts I think with God. That is what I'm interested in. That is what I am focusing on. And then where it says here, under all the senseless thoughts and mad ideas with which you've cluttered up your mind are the thoughts that you thought with God in the beginning. So the senseless thoughts and mad ideas that we clutter our mind with are the opinions, the judgments, the perceptions, the projections, the beliefs. 
And in my year-long Masterful Living program, we spend the entire year releasing our attachment to that mental and emotional clutter. Jesus says, they are there in your mind now, completely unchanged. So the real thoughts, they're in our mind already, completely unchanged. They will always be in your mind, exactly as they always were. Why? Because we're eternal. The eternal is unchanging. The temporal, the time-bound, time-based, is always changing. That's how we know the difference, right? So that's spirituality 101. Everything you thought since then will change, but the foundation on which it rests is wholly changeless. So for me, I would say, let me go back to the beginning. Let me go back to my default settings. Let me go back to my original instructions. I am here to represent the one who sent me. And I don't have to wonder or worry about what to say or do because the one who sent me will direct me. I'm here only to be truly helpful. How am I being truly helpful? By representing the one who sent me instead of the fabrication of the ego. My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. So this is what we are doing. It's happening. And let us not judge it and evaluate it. Let us just be grateful that it is happening and keep affirming it's happening regardless of what it looks like or feels like in the world of form. Right? So let's not give attention to that which we are not interested in having more of. So for me, it's I'm no longer interested in that. I'm not interested in complaining and whining and being afraid. I'm interested in the thoughts of God that are in my mind because I'm an eternal being. Well, this feels like a perfect place to pause. I'd like to thank everyone who offers a donation in support of this podcast. That really, really means a lot to me, and it helps me. And thank you to everyone who has written a review. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Let's place our hand on our heart and be grateful and thankful that our real thoughts are in our mind, and they will always be there for us. We are grateful and thankful that we're being renewed and restored right now, right in this moment. We're choosing to love ourselves free of limiting thoughts and beliefs. We are eternal, infinite beings made in the image and likeness of love. That's the truth. We are grateful. We're sticking to it. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. God bless.